gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Please turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 through 16. The two sides of the gospel of Jesus Christ, or the two effects of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we read, Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? Father, we just ask that you speak to us today from your word, especially your servant. Those that have committed and given their lives to you to live for you. Thank you, Father, for speaking to us by your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Paul writes and he says, Now, thanks be to God who always, not sometimes, always leads us in triumph. In other words, leads us always in victory in Christ. And through us, diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. Now, it could be, and it could be this way, just ordinary for somebody, whoever, to say, Thanks be to God who leads us or who causes us to triumph or to have victory always in Christ. Question is, you don't have too much battle in your life. But when you think about the one who is saying this, you begin to realize how great Christ is in the believer's life. Paul is a person that's been through so much troubles in life as he preached the gospel. He tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that three times he received stripes, 39 stripes, three times. And through these stripes, he says Christ caused him to triumph, to have victory even over stripes. He said, three times I was beaten with rods. Beaten with rods. He was in prison. He triumphed over that. He said he was shipwrecked. Three times. Still he had triumph over that situation. He said he was in the deep. One full night and one full day. Everywhere he went, he had trouble. They threw him out of so many cities. He said, once I was stoned to the point, he was left for dead. 
And he stood up after they left. And yet he could say, thanks be to God who causes us to triumph always. What have you in your life that's so difficult that God cannot help you with? What difficulty have you experienced or are you going through that is so great? Remember that once Paul was in jail with Silas. And at midnight, they started singing praises unto God and praying to God. And that was their triumph. Because God showed up, shook up the prison, took them off, and got the jailer converted in that one. And that was a major triumph. What's going on in your life, no matter how tough it is, the Bible is telling us that Christ will always cause us to triumph in life. Jesus is in your life to cause you to triumph in everything, no matter what you go through. There is triumph behind it if you stay with Christ. That's what God says in His Word. He causes us always to triumph. And then He says, and through us, as you triumph, and God takes you through difficult situations, as you experience tough situations, and you stay with Christ, He takes you over it, as He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, because you are with me. You are with me to cause me to triumph. And as I triumph, and as you go through it, He now uses you to diffuse the knowledge, His knowledge, the knowledge of His will, in every place. Paul's sufferings and troubles brought him triumph in Christ, and today is well known if you start naming the people that have influenced the world the most. The first person in, I mean, in the history of the world, the man that has the greatest influence in the history of the world upon mankind will be the Lord Jesus Christ. And the next person to that is Paul. Because he was following Christ, and Christ was leading him, and because Christ is always triumphant, when you follow him, you will also be triumphant, and the world will know about it. Amen. The world will know about it. If you truly follow Christ, yes, you will experience troubles. They will be in your way. If you don't experience any trouble, what have you to have victory over? But as you experience troubles, he leads the way, you try his triumph, and you triumph after him, and then through you, he diffuses around the world in every place the knowledge of his will and how good God is. Amen. There is a fragrance in your life if you know Jesus Christ. It's a sweet aroma. Sweet perfume that all believers and believers alike are enjoying. He spreads the fragrance around in every place. That's what Paul says. He says, For we are to God. We are to God. Regardless of who you are, in the mind of God, 
when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we are, to God, the fragrance of Christ. You may not feel that way, but if you know Jesus, you are the perfume of Christ. To God, that's who you are. We are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So today, my message is dealing with the two sides of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, or the two effects of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, we are the fragrance of Christ, but in the world, it produces two different things in the people that hear or you know, accept that. Or here's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. For one, he brings them death. Unto is the aroma of death unto death. And to another group, that's the two sides of the gospel. For some people, the gospel, what it brings to them is the aroma of death unto death. And then for the other side is the aroma of Life unto life. That fragrance is upon your life and you're carrying it. Amen? And Paul said, who is, who is sufficient for this thing? So the first thing I will talk about is the, that the gospel produces two different results in people. That's the first thing. The second thing is that the preacher of the gospel is not responsible for his success. So don't have a big head. <laughs> You're not responsible for your success. And the third thing is no one is sufficient for this book. No one is well equipped on their own for this work. And that's what Paul is saying. We are the fragrance of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the people of the world. And the gospel that we preach produces two different results in the lives of those that are hearing it. To some is death, and the other is life. It's an amazing thing to think that the sun shines into the world... And when the sun comes into the world as a strength, it does two things, certain things. Uh, with clay, it hardens it, right? But with wax, it melts it. The same sun, right? But producing different results in the things that are on the earth. Even though Jesus Christ is coming to the world, the gospel is not at fault, and we're dealing first with the gospel producing death in the lives of those who hear the gospel. It's an amazing thing to say. But it's not the fault of the gospel. The gospel is an aroma of death unto death for some people that hear the gospel. But the problem is not the gospel. The problem is the hearer. The hearer of the gospel. 
there are some things that are called gospel that is not gospel at all. And what it is, is the aroma of death unto death for everyone that hears it. The message that teaches you that you can be good on your own and that good works is good enough to take a new salvation, that sounds good. Doing good works sounds good and you can be a good person and that's good enough. It sounds good in theory. But in real life, it doesn't help anybody. Legalistic preaching helps nobody. Telling somebody that, you know, drinking is bad and showing them how bad, how really bad drinking is will not help the person to stop drinking. Pleading with them to stop cursing is not going to help. And asking them to, not to be violent, that to be good, and that God loves them to be good people. And that's some kind of gospel, but it's not going to help them to stop being angry. It's the kindness of God, the goodness of God that leads to repentance. If a man is transformed, it will only be because they've heard the truth about the goodness and the forgiven power of the gospel. There was a preacher that preached morality. He said he preached morality so much until there was not a moral man left in the village. He didn't produce any result. So, preaching good works is not going to help. Telling people to stop this and do what is right and going after them. I know ladies want their husbands to do right. You know, and the men want... It won't help. The truth is, is the goodness of God. It's kindness that leads to repentance. As they begin to hear about how good God is and that God loves you, even though you have sinned against Him. Before you were born, He made a provision for that. And as you begin to hear of God's goodness and the benefits that await you on the other side, and as you begin to think on it, and I did that in 1975, I thought about this. Wicked, but thinking, man, this is such a good God. I fell in love, amen, with this God. It wasn't worth it to go the other way. And his joy flooded my heart. And I realized I've been missing something. Amen? God is good. And I need this good God in my life. I don't need all of the filthiness. I need this God. It's the goodness of God that really leads to, to repentance. So the preaching of that kind of gospel, of legalism, is not going to help. But then... The gospel is the truth that the gospel will always, in some lives, cause your hearts to be hardened. It's reality. For some people, even though the gospel can bring them deliverance, instead of responding right towards the gospel, they turn around and it brings them death. And destroys them. Death 
unto death. Aroma of death unto death. I read a story of a man who believed, and, and you, you can take this, that among sinners, the worst and the hardest, hard-hearted ones are usually sanctuary sinners. Those that are in church, you know about this. When you can, when you can come to church and hear the gospel, and for some they can do such evil things and have the quietest of conscience. Doesn't bother them. They go to sleep. Don't feel bad about what they've done. There's no repentance. You think that's not in the church? Oh, yes, it is. We're not perfect, but there are Christians that do wrong. It bothers them. For the real one, the one that is the aroma of life unto life, it bothers them. They want to be free. They cry out for freedom. But there are those sanctuary sinners, they've heard the gospel so many times, and it doesn't affect them anymore, because it, not, it has now become an aroma of death unto death. Their conscience is quiet after they've done wrong. They can scam somebody of millions of dollars and not feel a thing about it, and even be happy about it, and give glory to God and pay tithe also. Them. That's why the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4, he says, he says, when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. As in the days of provocation, when they provoked him in the wilderness. Because sometimes... Those are in church, especially we, we Christians have to be very careful when you hear the word of God. Yes, we are not perfect. When things are happening, be crying out to God. But if it doesn't bother you or you excuse it, then you are really in grave danger. If the light that is in you is darkness, Jesus said, how great is that darkness. Now, the sword that was given to you the sword of the Spirit that was given to you by the truth of God that's supposed to help you to open up secrets of the gospel of the Lord Jesus, you turn it on yourself and you commit suicide with it. I read a story of a, a man, and, and it goes, and I've seen that in church, it's, it's very worrisome. They believe that they are saved. By grace. You heard that before? They are truly saved. And this guy in, in, in a bar, he stood on, on, a, on a table and he said, Hey, fellows, I can say, you know, more than any of you, that I am one of the chosen ones of the Lord God. I have been washed with the blood of Jesus. And he had a glass of booze in his hand. While he was saying that. And after he told them that, he drank the booze and he danced some jigs and cursed 
He says he was still going to heaven. Casting to the ninth dancing. Once saved, always saved. You don't want for such people, the gospel has now become an aroma of death unto death. We need to be careful about the way we're living our lives. The gospel was not meant to do that to us. If you hear the gospel and you believe the gospel, it will be an aroma of life unto life. As the scripture says, from glory to glory. That's what the preaching of the gospel ought to do for your life. You should never remain the same from year to year as a Christian. Things should be getting better every year for you. In every area of life, the gospel should touch every area of your life. Your finances, your children, your business, your job, your education, every area is the aroma of life unto life for everyone who hears it. For the preacher that preaches, he's the tool. And you are the fragrance of Christ, diffusing the knowledge of His will around the world. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, when you begin to put take on worldly concepts and worldly mind, uh, worldview, it will affect your life. You stay with what Scripture says, not what they are saying. God is not waiting to be re-elected into His position. He is not a politician. So don't go with the majority. Go with what the Scripture says. And you will have the aroma of life unto life. But if you take on worldly worldview, your life is going, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be an aroma of death unto death. I don't listen to anybody except the book. I don't care. I have a lot of respect for Billy Graham. He gets out of the book. Thanks, sir. Just not going to take that. That's yours. Do I know everything in the book? No. But I have the Spirit of God. Amen? And I can tell when something doesn't sound right. That drives me to search the Scriptures to see if what is being said is right. If it's new to me. But you see, a false doctrine that is known by everyone is not a problem. We all know it's false. If a Jehovah's Witness come into my house, I'll show him the door. I don't want to receive that gospel. But a perverted gospel is the, the one that's a real problem. When a man says, once saved, always saved, and it doesn't matter what he does, he's God's elect, and he's going to make it, he's now made up, he's now raised up a standard for himself to do evil and think he's going to go to God. Self-deception is the greatest kind of deception. 
when you're deceived on your own. So, stay with the gospel and receive God's blessing in your life. Let me read this to you. It tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as it in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from what? From glory to glory. When you stay with the gospel and believe the gospel and accept the gospel, it's like Moses going into the very presence of God Almighty. You remember what happened with Moses? He was there for 40 days. And when he came down from the mountain, his face glowed. And we say, well, that's, that, was, that was nice. Today, we have something greater than what Moses had. His glory faded with time. But when you look into the perfect law of liberty and you stay with the gospel, the aroma of Christ comes over you and it stays with you and is spread all over the world. In every place. The way Paul said it. It's a real privilege to me uh, to be called as a minister of the Lord God I don't take it lightly. I thank him constantly. That this is something that God has called me to do. And that through speaking of words, he diffuses his knowledge. And if the people refuse, receive the word, they are transformed. If they refuse, they stay the same or their situation gets worse. That's an amazing thing. But I need to move quickly to the fact that success is not the responsibility of the preacher. Because the Bible says, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. The same fragrance, you have nothing to do with those who are being saved. You are just being a fragrance of Christ. And the result is up to the individuals that are hearing you. It's not your responsibility for what happens to them. I say that you remember this, the parable of the sower? The sower went out to sow. That's the believer. That's you and I. You're not responsible for the result. But you are responsible for what God has asked you to do. You are a sower. Many of us don't sow. That's where judgment comes. See? God's not going to punish you because you sowed and didn't reap anything. You didn't sow at all. You were an unfaithful servant because you didn't sow. The result is up to him. I planted, Apollos watered, and God is the one who gives the increase. It's your responsibility to do what God, to spread out the fragrance. You can't stay without doing it. It's like you receiving a talent and doing nothing about it. You see, Jesus had this... Let me stay with this parable of the sower first. I can get ahead of myself. Now, with the parable of the sower, he sowed, some fell on the wayside, right? He was a sower. I thought to myself, what a dumb sower. Wayside? And then he, he sowed on stony ground, right? Among thorns. And done on good ground. And he got some harvest with the good ground. And... We, 
Jesus said the problem was not the sower, was the ground. So it's not your responsibility, but you are supposed to sow. See, it says, well. Because to God, you are now the aroma of Christ. And through you, He is spreading His knowledge around the world in every place. And if you are not doing anything about that, you are an unfaithful servant. He gave talents to three different individuals, right? One had five talents. The other one had two talents. And one had one. The one who had five did what he was supposed to do with that. He worked with that. He gained five more, and the master was pleased. The one who had two did his work. He gained two more. But both of them had the same reward. Read. Both of them had the same reward. And I believe if the one who had that one had gone out and said, Master, I tried my best. I went out, you gave me just one. But see, I tried, and I, I couldn't get anything. He would have received the same words. Good and faithful servant. But he did nothing. That's the problem. You have been given a responsibility, and we're moving into a new place. What are you doing in your ministry? Are you spreading the aroma of Christ? You don't decide who is going to who you're going to be an aroma of death unto death or life unto life. But you are still spreading the fragrance. Amen? That's what we should do. The Bible tells us how beautiful upon the mountain. At the feet of him who bring good news. Not good results. Who bring what? Good news. Let's bring the good news. Amen. How beautiful upon the mountain. That's the way God sees your feet. When you step out to invite somebody to church. When you step out to do good. To reach out to them. You do them good. And they wonder, why are you doing this? I never met a person like you. You tell them, it's because of Jesus. What you, what you are experiencing is, is, is the fragrance coming from me. Amen? It's the fragrance of Jesus. And then they respond. Because you are doing what the Master asked you to do. You are a good... How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaim peace, who bring glad tidings of good things, who proclaim salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. So that's what we're supposed to do. And I'm going to go quickly and say the last part of it, no one is sufficient for these things. No one. It's amazing, as great as Paul was, he knew his sufficiency was not in him. We really get into trouble when we think we got it all together and we don't need God anymore. That's when things begin to unravel. Because you're going on your strength. You used to pray for about your work, but now you don't pray anymore. You think you really know. When you first got the job, you prayed, God help me, I need to know. But now you think you already know everything, and you're not praying anymore. When things are working, we tend to just pull back. 
But Paul recognized this. No man is sufficient for these things. There are people who are out there, they're well-schooled, they know the scriptures and all of that, and they think, because I know this and I can speak, this will happen. No. If it's happening, God's not in it. After a while, it's going to fall apart. No one is sufficient for these things that God wants to do through us of our own. We need to humble ourselves before God, no matter what you're doing. If it relates to Christ, in your job, everywhere you go, when you're sharing with somebody, it's not your ability. You cannot depend on your abilities. If God gives you a dream, don't depend on yourself. You will walk away from it. If that thing comes through your mind, it's because God has put it there. He made you to think on those things, but don't give them up because you don't think you have the abilities. Begin to trust God to give you the abilities and the resources to get you to where He wants you to. You are never sufficient on your own. I don't think Paul knew when he was writing those scriptures that we will be reading Ephesians chapter 1 today. In 2011, no one is sufficient for these things. But with God in your life, we are well able to fulfill all that God has called us to do. Never be afraid of what God is speaking to your heart to do. If God is telling you, you are going to reach the world for me, don't say, oh Lord, like Moses, I cannot speak. Because God is going to ask you, who made a man's mouth? God can use you. If you will humble yourself. We are the fragrance of Christ. God is depending on you to reach out to people. Your words will bring life to people as you share with them the gospel. Some will reject, but that don't let that stop you. Keep doing what God calls you to do. Amen? Stand up with me this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Some of us, we need to receive that aroma of Christ into our lives today. So that God can begin to pour out His fragrance upon your life. You know, I know I carry the fragrance of Christ. I'm not afraid of anything or anywhere or meeting anybody. I just have favor. Amen. Wherever I go, because Jesus is with me, I do not limit Him. Amen. If you don't like me, it's because you don't read. Your eyes are still blind. You don't really know what to do. <laughs> when God opens your eyes, you will see the treasure that He's placed in here. And every one of you, if you know Christ, you're carrying that treasure. Amen? Carry yourself like the prince that you are. Carry yourself like the princess that God has made you. Don't insult him by insulting your own life. 
You are the aroma of Christ. For life, unto life, for those that are around your life. Bow your heads with me this morning. You're here this morning and you say, well, I want that aroma in my life. I want Jesus in my life. All you have to do is acknowledge Jesus as the Lord. And the way to do that this morning, as a servant of the Lord, I'm saying to you, the way to do that is to put your hand up quickly and put it back down. Can you do that, everyone? Put your hand up. Thank you, sir. Thank you. That's the thing. Thank you, ma'am. That's all you need. That's all you need. We use the word accept Christ. Now open your eyes and, and look at me here. No matter how bad you've been, the aroma of life says you can be forgiven. It's the goodness of God. Not your goodness. He knows we are all wicked. But when we accept Jesus, we accept goodness into our lives. Amen? And when God looks down from heaven, He sees nothing bad. He sees Christ in you. And that's the hope of glory. Meaning life is going to be good from now on. So your sins are forgiven. If you put your hands up this morning, I can declare based on God's word that God has forgiven your sins. Amen? But now, live like one who knows God. Amen? Tell everybody, I'm now a believer. I love God. And something, if there's a voice in your heart that says, that's not true, you were just thinking this bad thought. Uh, That's the voice of the devil. Tell him to be quiet. And tell him, listen, in church that day, you remember, I raised my hand up. There was a fellow, he became a preacher. The devil bugged him all along because he said, you are not truly a Christian. He would, he would, he would raise his hand and pray to God. And then he said, I'm going to do something. He wrote the date on a tree. And again, the, that thought came to him. You are not truly a child of God. You are just a filthy sinner. He said, devil, come. Let's go to that tree. I'm going to show you. <laughs> I wrote it here. Okay, that's the day. So today, your sins are forgiven. Now we have to live for God. Don't condemn yourself when God has not condemned you. Amen? And if God has not condemned you, that means life's going to be good. All you need to do is draw closer to Him. How many want to draw closer to God today? Let's raise our hands up to the Lord this morning and say closer to you, God. I want to be closer to you. I want to live for you. I want to be an aroma of Christ to the world. I want this aroma to be in every place, everywhere. God, I know that you always will cause me to triumph in Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, behold your children. In your mercy and in your great kindness, pour out of your love into our hearts so that we can do the things that you called us to do. We have a great work to do at the Ark Fellowship. And Lord, you've brought all of this to be a part of the ministry that you've given to us at the Ark. Every one of us. And Lord, we say your people are ready. Say with me, I am ready to do work for God. God bless you.
will be dismissed.